0: Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning into the IME Podcast.
1: My name is Dominic Kilworth, athlete, personal trainer, business owner, and personal development enthusiast. I'm joined alongside with Jackson Tippett, who is also a personal trainer, influencer, and fitness model. Together, we are your host of this podcast, where with each episode, we'll bring you an inspiring message or person to help you live your best life. Thank you for spending some time with us today. Now, let's get into it.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back um, to episode 70. It's flying through as um, the weeks go on. I've done four this week. And today we have on board, um, I'd say the biggest guest to date um, in terms of his appearance, um, we have Anthony Kudafidis. I've been wanting to get him on board for a few weeks. Um, He's got a busy schedule, as you would know, but former um, AFL player, 48 years of age, Played sixteen years for Carlton, two hundred and seventy-eight games, two hundred and twenty-six goals, two times best and fairest, two-time All Australian. What an honour to have you on, Anthony. Thanks for coming on board.
1: Thank you, Jackson. I appreciate it, mate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, honest. I like, honest to God, man. Watched you um, when I was a kid, uh, growing up, playing footy. Dad knows you very well, not obviously personally, but like through football. Um, yeah, man. It's just crazy to actually connect and um have you on but um yeah do you want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself man and how you started out playing football
1: yeah no worries i appreciate your kind words jackson i was uh, both my parents were born overseas so they migrated to australia uh, my dad was greek Mum's italian so a bit of a mix of both cultures but at the age of eight i had an older brother uh, paul he was here older than me he was nine our friends introduced us to australian rules football we fell in love with it instantly and uh we went down to a local football club to try out without telling mum and dad and, you know, it was dark by the time we got home and we told them where we went and they both said, you're not going to play this game. And we said, no, we are going to play. And uh, luckily, our friends said, um, "Her parents said, if you want to play, we'll pick you up, take you to the games and bring you home. We said we we're in. And so it was age of eight that I started playing football and that was in the winter. In the summer, I did athletics and uh, you know, I excelled in both uh sports by the time I was 14 I got um an invite from the Calton Football Club to go down there in their junior development squads back in the days in the late 80s when when they had it and that's obviously not there now because the the system's changed but I played uh the under 15s at Calder and I went to play in the 19s at Calden before I finally got invited on the senior list so many years of uh, football um you know I did athletics too and uh you know I was a state champion high jumper had um Australian uh, record in the 110 hurdles. I uh, did the multi-event, which is like the decathlon. So I had to choose between both uh, sports and uh, at the age of 17, the Carlton Football Club offered me a contract. And so I uh, signed a three-year deal and that was the end of my athletics career from there. And uh, yeah, luckily I, I did the right uh, choice by picking the Carlton Football Club.
0: Yeah, 100%. Do you ever think back
1: to what if, of, if I um, continue with athletics? Yeah, I got an invite to uh, one of the... Uh, I think uh, level one, I don't know, colleges are in America. Um, so my times, uh, Cole Vandekype represented Australia at the, I think it was the 1996 Atlanta Olympic Games. He was a phenomenal athlete. He finished seventh in the Olympic final, but uh, he's two years older than me. So when I ran the Australian record um, at the times, you know, at the same age, I was a little bit quicker, believe it or not, but he was phenomenal all the way from a junior. Um, not to say that I could ever beat him. I raced him once and he beat me, but who knows times equivalent if I just put in full-time Athletics yeah. where I could have gone. You know, every summer I was doing athletics, but then the winter I was playing footy. So I never really did a pre-season to see how far I could excel um, in athletics. So I got beaten in my Australian um, title by uh, in the high jump by a guy, a guy by the name of Tim Forsyth who went along to win a bronze medal with the, uh, I think it was the 92 or 96 Olympic Games representing Australia. A phenomenal, unbelievable high jumper. And so, yeah, I could have maybe potentially represented Australia at the Olympics, but I chose football. And um, I was the first, like, athlete to come into the game. And I guess when I made the AFL Hall of Fame, uh, their thing was the changing of the game. So basically, I was the first athlete to come in that could play in every position on the ground. And uh, the AFL had never sort of seen that sort of player before. And so they started to recruit players like myself that were more athletic and taller, that could play midfield, back and defence. And so the game slowly started to change, and started to bring in more athletes.
0: Yeah, awesome, man. Man, sounds like you've had a you know excelling um you know career. Um what what was your favorite position to play and why?
1: Uh I played everywhere, you know, and that not including the ruck, and I'm only one one meter ninety one tall. I mean, I was rucking against guys that were six foot seven, six foot eight, some of them. But um I, I enjoyed the midfield being around the ball. Um as much as I could play in defense and could play up forward, I like being around the ball and um I think the club got to see Uh, another side of me because I was one of those flary kind of high, you know, high jumping, kind of high marking sort of player, but didn't know that I could actually play midfield also. And so uh, I loved the midfield. I I was more creative in there, being around the ball. I could just hunt it up. And uh, yeah, that's what I loved. It took me a long time though to get in there because we had such an incredible team. And when you're versatile and you can play in any position, they're going to obviously throw you around here and there wherever the team needs you. So I did a lot of sacrificing for the team, but in saying that, we had some elite footballers that I got the privilege to play with when I walked in that Colton Football Club, which was back then the most powerful football club in the competition. Not so much now, but yeah. I walked in with guys that won three or four you know, premierships and stuff like that, so it was incredible. I remember it. Um, what, was it what was it like trying
0: to maintain that high level of fitness, so-called, in, for the midfield? Was it as hard as people think or not really?
1: No, it was hard. I mean, footy was yeah. hard in general. Whether you're playing defence, forward or midfield back in the day, we all trained the same. We all just got absolutely flogged. And so I'd never done a football pre-season until I was 17, almost 18. And we were running eight kilometres. We We're doing time trials, seven, eight kilometres. We did 5100s. My body was broken already within just one preseason. And so the demands of football... Um, were very tough back then. There was no, like, science to it. It was like, the harder you train, the better you and the fitter you are. And if you're a young kid that wants to come in, we're going to test you mentally and physically. And if you can stand up to it, we may give you an opportunity. If not, man, you you can leave. And so it was a very tough environment. And growing up, Jackson, when I grew up in my time, remember this, I had migrant parents That everyone played AFL football, Australian rules football, or majority, say 90%, you know, kids. And then cricket was the other sport. They were the two iconic sports in Australia. As much as soccer was around, even at my primary school with all the migrant kids, majority of us played AFL footage. So we were competing against pretty much everyone else in Australia, whereas now I feel like it's really diverse in, you know, basketball and soccer and football and maybe not so much cricket, but there's a, a lot of other sports that kids play nowadays too.
0: Yeah, definitely. I always love asking this question, but who was the toughest hmm. opponent you ever played on and why? Yeah, I know there'd be many,
1: but... Yeah, there was a lot, but Matty Richardson to me was probably, I believe, a greater athlete than myself, and he played at the Richmond Football Club. I think he was a phenomenal player. I played him a couple of times in his domain when I was in defence and he was up in the forward line. But athletically, he was so gifted. He was six foot five, so had a couple of inches on me, but yeah. it also had speed and um, endurance like a. Uh, like an, a midfielder like a Craig Bradley who was a sensational um, midfielder but he had both speed and endurance so usually you get one usually you'll get either speed or endurance or you're real fast and your, your endurance is not too bad but not great when when you get both that makes you elite and that was Matthew Richardson I didn't have great endurance when he could just blow me up just by a few like sprints where he would sprint not just 50 probably 60 70 meters but then go again and go again and eventually blow me up so to me, Matthew Richardson was my toughest opponent. He he made me realise how important uh, fitness was in terms of the game. So the harder you train, the easier the game was. Not that the game was ever easy. It was always tough. But if you didn't train hard, you would feel it on the ground.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Obviously, starting out, man, like not really, not really anyone knows their prediction to the future. But, you know, you're pretty gifted from my uh, point of view. What... Starting out, did you always think you were going to be this icon in football, or did you just
1: like, did you have doubts, or did you know you were actually going to take it this far? No, I wasn't a very confident kid. I had doubts, although I had this, you know, incredible uh, junior career, and that included football too, where I, you know, made the Victorian teams, made the All Australian team and sent out back. But I wasn't a very confident kid. I had incredible mum and dad and family support that always praised me and always said that you're the best, you're the best. But I struggled to actually cement my position in the Colton Football Club. In 91, I didn't get a game. In 1992, I played six games out of a possible, I think back then it was 22. 1993, I played eight games of a possible 22. I missed out in the grand final. 1994, I played the first half of the year and then I got dropped for two weeks and I thought that was the end of my career. So my career didn't start that well, Jackson. And although you look at it, if someone had asked me, in the middle of 1994, and said, mate, you're going to go on to play 276 games and you're going to, um, you know, make the All-Australian team. You're going to be in the AFL Hall of Fame. I would have said, there's no way none that's going to happen. But my career quickly after that, after a couple of weeks, I went to see a sports psychologist by the name of Anthony Stewart. And he was the one who made such a difference. And two weeks later, when I got picked again to play on the wing, I never looked back from that moment. And uh, I always praised myself not for you know, or everything that I achieved. But to say that I just stuck it out in times of doubt uh, when I used to go home, you know, emotional thinking, am I ever going to make it? I knew I had the capabilities uh, to make it. I watched other plays and I, I always knew that I was better than them, but I just didn't know what I needed to do. Number one, to impress the coach and number two, to get a game. And so it was a very tough period for me. And luckily I stuck it out. So it was three and a half years, Jackson, of really hard work and mentally very tough on me. But I'm glad I went through it because I use that sort of mental toughness now in my work after football too. That I totally understand that life is never easy and we always get faced with obstacles. And we've just those challenges there that we must break through just in time and belief and persistence and disciplines and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and without those obstacles, I don't think we'd
1: be the you know, the
0: individuals we are today. Or well, I don't think I would, and I don't think yourself you would be either. So um, you know, failure a lot of people think of failure as um, like a downside. I believe it as an opportunity. Um, You know, you have to go through failure to succeed in my eyes. Do you believe the same?
1: A hundred percent. I mean, we don't want to believe we don't don't want tough times and stuff like that, but every tough uh, thing that I've been through, I've come out of there better person. I've become stronger because you've had, you always have to look deep within yourself. What is it that you can improve? Where am I going wrong? What can I do different? And by doing that, you do eventually grow. And those obstacles are the things that do make us better. If everyone is comfortable right now and you just want to go through life feeling comfortable, you're going to cop it somewhere along the line. So you're better off just knowing that you are going to face challenges and just push through them.
0: You heard it from the best, guys. So, um, yeah, you got to. everyone's going to fail in life. But, um, you know, those failures will definitely make you a strong individual. We've touched a little bit on this, but how hard was it actually playing at the top, top level? Like... A day in the life or a week in, week out,
1: how 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 hard was it? It was very tough. I mean, the commitments, the disciplines, the sacrifices, all those things. I mean, Friday night before a game, when my mates were going out nightclubbing, I, don't worry, I preferred to be out nightclubbing. But, you know, they're the sacrifices and disciplines that I had to make in order to, to make it. And I know, Jackson, even during high school, when some of my mates probably turned into doing things that I didn't agree with because, I was on this pathway of wanting to make it, whether it was AFL or representing Australia at the Olympics, and so I just didn't want to do the things that they started to do. And so there, I had to find new mates and whatever, um, just so I stayed on the straight and narrow. So I sacrificed a lot in order to be able to, uh, you know, fulfil my dreams of playing AFL football. Um, and even when we played, I met, look, we had a drinking culture. I never drank till I got to the football club, but I enjoyed that because we were able to let our hair down. So we play, play hard, like on the weekends, but, you know, we train hard and all all those things. So we had fun too at the same time. And I think you've got to get that balance right. If it's all just hard, tough, you know, no, I'm not going to have any fun. You're going to feel it somewhere along the way because you have to enjoy and love what you do. And we football back then in the nineties and early two thousands, it was an incredible time to play footy because as much as we were serious about our footy and wanted to win, we still had a lot of fun too. But in terms of training, And, you know, carrying injuries and pushing through injuries and the mental battles and the pressure that came with it. It wasn't easy, Jackson, when if you become the best player in the team and if the team loses and the blame gets put on you because you haven't performed well, you feel the pressure from the outside. So we had to perform in front of, you know, people live and people watching on television as well. And we'll, you know, scrutinize every single week that we're out there by the supporters that were in the grandstands, coaches, you know, coaching staff and, members around the football club so it's a very it's very very tough and it made me grow up a lot quicker than probably i would have if i didn't walk into an afl environment
0: yeah that leads me perfect to my next question so you have touched yeah. a bit on it but w- what's it like like obviously you know as you become more famous or you're an icon to people uh what's it like dealing with the media and all the critics um in and out not just on the field but outside the field too
1: yeah, it'd be a lot tougher now for the players. They get scrutinised everywhere, social media, videos, you know, you know, all cameras and all these things. There's so many um media people too. But like we all watched, um, you know, obviously we had to try to do everything that we could, you know, as best as we could. Otherwise, we'd be in the newspaper and, you know, getting criticised by people. But the criticism you just had to accept from people in particular when I... Wasn't playing senior footy and I'd be working somewhere. People would always be like, "Are you playing seniors? Oh, you're a reserves player. Oh, you're no good. Oh, you're crap. You're, you know." So we, we had to take a lot, but you just have to be tough. And so, you know, even people that start their ventures and people don't agree with it. So even when I started my business now, the people around me were like, "What are you doing, mate? Don't do that." You know, had have, have their opinions, but in, deep down inside, I knew how incredible the opportunity was, and so I went for it. And so, as much as people have have their say, never let them put you down if you believe in something and you believe in it strongly because you can go out there and prove them all wrong.
0: Yeah, I like that, man. I like your mindset in general. What was your best moment in your career? (laughs) Everything. What was your absolute top moment?
1: There's one that's clearly above everything else, and that was the 1995 Premiership. Um, I was age 22 in 1995, and I told you before, Jackson struggled in 91. Six games in 92, eight games in 93, 94 got dropped halfway through the year. I thought it was the end of my career. I came back and was in the best players almost every week after that. And then 1995 was one of those years out of the blue. It was a dream year where our club only lost two games for the entire season and we lost to the two bottom teams. And at the start of the year, all the media critics were saying that we were too old and too slow, would never be able to win the grand final. Well, everything came together for us. And at the age of 22, there I was. Um, you know, on the MCG in front of 90-odd thousand people there and uh, playing against Geelong in what I believe is the greatest day on the calendar for the entire year. Because as a young kid, I used to watch grand finals every year. And uh, I, I just could not even imagine. I, I My dream was to play AFL, but I could not ever imagine that I'd be on the MCG on grand final day playing for the Carlton Football Club. And that's what I did at the age of 22. And, you know, the build-up to that week, the car parade around the city the day before, the training session on the Thursday night, just the entire week. It's such a religion here in Melbourne. Um, it was the most incredible feeling. And that day there, I'll never, ever forget. To this day, it's the greatest day of my life. I always say that. And at the end of that game, when that siren went, I went, you know, absolutely crazy. And you can imagine mum and dad who migrated here, had no family here. I mean, they were the two probably proudest parents in, in the you know, entire country on that day after the game uh, when they walked into the change rooms. Who who won that game? That I I actually can't recall that. Oh, Carlton, Carlton, yeah. You some, won that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Carlton versus Geelong, yeah. We what? won by 60, uh, 61 points, I think it was. Yeah, we were up by eighty odd points halfway. Through Jesus, the that's a flogging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We almost yeah. probably should have had the AFL record really, but I think we just went a bit easy in the last you know five ten minutes.
0: What's the what's the after party like, or what's the after week like after you win a grand final?
1: It's not week, man. It went on for six weeks. Jackson. I went from ninety five weeks. Yeah, I went from ninety five kilos to one hundred and three. We were kings of the city. Jeez. Yeah, we free drink cards. Everyone wanted us to go to their nightclubs. It was just we we had the key to the city, and that's what it was. And so we. Um, had a footy trip as well, so our footy trip was to America. And the guys that couldn't go to America went to the Gold Coast. So I went on both with my good mate, Ant Christo, and we just partied every single day, mate. It was just, it was an unbelievable time of life and a great time to be alive and celebrating and doing, you know, what we did uh, to celebrate after that Grand Final.
0: Jeez, man, I didn't think it would, it would tie out to six weeks. That's um. Yeah, that's a celebration in itself.
1: It was. But <laughs> that's I, crazy. I think it cost us in 1996. I reckon because we we all came back that that like overweight and you know just we weren't ready. I guess for 1996 to come. Yeah, how did you go in 1996? Oh, we did well. Like we got to the finals, yeah. but we just lost in the first two weeks of the finals. So we lost both games, and we just started getting injuries. We were old then. And some of our superstar players just got that little bit old and injuries. And so our team was a little bit not quite balanced as what it was in 95, but still had a phenomenal team. 94, we were on top with one game to go. And then we lost that game. And then we lost the two finals as well, 94. So we didn't have a great run there. But in 95, we just put it all together.
0: Yeah. If you could go back in... two, Two questions to this question. If you could go back in time and change anything, what would it be and why? I want to know with your... Just in general, in life, and with your AFL career.
1: Oh, if I can go back, oh, I lost my father in '98. I'd love to have him still around. I mean, that was one thing that was really out of my hands. though. but like, I lost him at the age of uh, twenty. I just turned twenty-five, and that that destroyed me because I I was still living at home, and he was my you know greatest friend. So, I just wasn't ready to lose him. And uh, the other thing is probably my, you know, at the peak of my powers, I just started to get you know, a few uh, impact injuries. Not that my body was breaking down; it was just a few little, just unfortunate injuries in the peak uh, of uh, when, yeah, of my career when I was just flying uh, in terms of form. And so, you know, I won the most valuable player award in year 2000. I got struck down in. Round 20 against Essendon in front of thousand people. They were on top. We were second. It was the biggest game of the year. And uh, I got injured in that first quarter when someone came across. So I was in, in incredible form. I think I, I was like 13 weeks in a row best best on the grounds. And then the next year was the same. Got to the finals, best on ground. Second week of the finals, did me knee. Yeah, so I was just a bit unlucky. So if I could, I mean, I, I wouldn't change anything. Don't get me wrong, Jackson. But if there was yeah. something that I would, of course I would. Because, you know, I was, I, I was like... Just playing the best footy of my career, unfortunately, you know, injuries just impacted me.
0: Yeah, injuries, man, that's something that's um yeah, hurt a lot of people's careers. So yeah, it's it's um it's a tough one. Do you know what I mean? Because once you're injured, it's hard
1: to come back. Yeah, it's tough. And it? everyone some people escape their careers and not not have too many injuries and some don't even start their careers because of injuries. So I'm definitely not complaining.
0: Yeah, what's
1: what's one wish you want to see mm. in this world um, as of
0: today? It could be anything. What's like, what's a change you want to see in this, this world?
1: Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I think we can all probably give love to each other more, you know, respect and, um, you know, all those things. Uh, you know, everything that everyone's going through, It's a very tough year for a lot of people last year. People seem a little bit more agitated and, and stuff. But look, um, yeah, just that. I mean, like, I grew up in. <clears throat> I always thank my mum uh, I grew up in the greatest country of all time. You know, I think I may may have took it, taken it for granted, Jackson. You know, we were kids at northern part of Melbourne. It was um, the growth area. It was pretty, pretty much the outskirts of Melbourne back then, growing up with uh, a lot of migrants and uh, a lot of, you know, Australian kids. And we just had the best time of our lives back then. We could go out all day. We didn't have to worry about it. Mum and dad knew it was, it was just such a safe environment. Right now it isn't like that. Look, the world has changed. But I wish my kids could experience what I did back then. And we just thought that was part of Australia. But unfortunately, it's not like that now. But a time and the country has moved on and it is different times and we just have to adapt to it. It's still a wonderful country and we're very blessed to be living here.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I love that, man.
0: Um, I always wanted to know this, but what was it like with the nutrition side of things when you're (laughs) obviously a top level player? Do you have a nutritionist? Do you have to stick
1: to a diet? Do you eat what you want? What's it like? I think genetically I was okay. I pretty much ate. mum made pasta stop, and, you know, we went out and ate a lot too. And so I wasn't so strict. There were some guys that were a lot more strict than myself. Yes, we had nutritionists that came in, but I don't know. I'd still, for the amount of running, everything that we were doing, we could eat. Basically, when I say whatever you want, I still, we still had our junk food because obviously the metabolism was just ticking over. But still, when I needed to eat, I would eat healthy as much as I could, you know. And, of course, after a big night out, you go and you have your Suvos or, you know, whatever, KFC or whatever we did back then. But majority of times during the week, we tried to eat as clean as we could. And I tried to avoid as much as I could the fast foods, kind, of, you know, kind of foods. But they're a lot more strict now. They're a lot more, you know, about body fat and, um, you know, things like that. So, they're a lot more athletes. So, we'll be bigger size kind of guys and these guys are a little bit more thinner than us
0: yeah i don't know if this is something you want to talk about you're comfortable with but i know in the modern day area now it's um definitely there there are drugs involved peptides psalms uh whatever it may be was that all around when you were there um or was was it just unheard of
1: it was unheard of in my day. It was all drinking uh, drinking culture. Yeah. I thought some of the players would have done little bits of whatever they did back then, maybe. Right, who knows? I can't say because I never really seen it with my own eyes. I and mean, I think our club was just phenomenal in that way. We were, The drinking culture was out of control, don't get me wrong. But yeah. it was still like, when I say out of control, we still controlled ourselves. It was never trouble. It, it was a fun time to do it in terms of drugs. And in performance enhancing, I never would have suspected anyone in my team Ever to have done anything like that. In the latter part of my career, there was a guy by the name of Carl Norman who, and Laurie Angwin, who came to the club um, high as a kite, basically. And so they were, yeah, they were, um, they, they took the drugs the night before training, so they just weren't in in good health that next day. And so they were probably the only two that I witnessed in my time that had any issues with that sort of stuff. But I'm sure it became a bit more. From what I heard in rumours from, you know, year 2000 onwards, it started to become a bit more, you know, prominent at that sort of stage But that was probably the times when I wasn't going out as much either. So who knows whether that's just rumours or whether it was actually occurring.
0: Yeah, I know it's definitely around now, but um yeah, who knows, man. It's a very, very um untouched subject, you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Um I find it hard though, Jackson, like people say they do, but I don't know, like you don't hear a lot about people getting tested positive, so I'm not sure. I mean Yeah. You know, that side of it. Who who knows? I mean I'm so far out of it I I wouldn't know myself.
0: Yeah. You obviously, um, you know, obviously people mightn't have seen your page, but but judging by your you know, your current physique and um what you do now man you're in incredible shape um is that something that just kind of it obviously led on from the football days you just kind of wanted to maintain that rig or
1: what's the go behind that because you are you know for 48 years old you are in incredible shape i appreciate that jackson uh, i've always wanted to stay in shape you know i guess i was known as the body sort of thing when i played afl also and so you know a little bit of pride there That I I, even when I retired I still tried to you know keep in shape I got really unwell 10 years ago 11 years ago now probably sleeping 11 hours a night struggled to get out of bed and stop training was probably the first time I had a little bit of a stomach and uh, I remember my sister-in-law saying oh you've got a bit of a stomach now And I thought oh no maybe this is just my age now or whatever but it wasn't it was more because I was really unwell and as you know Jackson I got on the Herbalife Nutrition now and I've been on it for 10 years and I, I smashed that product and I've helped a lot of people with it and I love it, man. And that's the that's the stuff there because people think I train every day and I don't. And when I train, do I train hard? Yeah, sometimes I do. Other times I just try to find enjoyment out of my training and just go and have a little bit of fun with it. So then I look forward to doing it. And so I know back in the day, every time I thought of time trials and things like that, I couldn't sleep the night before thinking, oh my God, here we go, time trial. It yeah. wasn't easy. So I try to put the fun aspect into my training now. And then of course, if I'm training with some mates, I push a little bit harder. But in saying that too, my shoulders are that, I've got a lot. They're, they're very arthritic from football. And so I don't have a lot of shoulder movement. I certainly can't bench press anywhere near of what I used to. And so I just do really light weights up a body and uh, my leg weights, I, I still can't, I, I can go heavier in terms of legs. I still don't go heavy, heavy. Um, so I really just try to maintain my body as much as possible. And I still love running Jackson. And so running to me, while I can still run and my knees are okay, my hips just ha- hanging in there, I'm I'm feeling good. But in terms of shape, yeah, 100%. Man, I'm very lucky. Even during lockdown, man, I uh, was able to just smash my uh, Herbalife nutrition and you know eat my uh, foods and that as well and just been able to keep in shape. I love it, man. 10 years on it and uh, I, th- that's me forever.
0: Yeah, you might have got me hooked on it. I might have to try it now.
1: Uh, Good idea. (laughs) I I always say to my mates too, if they're unsure, just try for a little while and you'll see. But the longer you're on it, we call it say your nutrition. That mate, to me, the better your results will be. That's yeah, that's how I see it. Yeah, but I believe in. I'm firm with what you said.
0: That um, hundred percent nutrition takes Mm. over training any day. You know what I mean? If your diet's on point, um, you can still look, you know, amazing year round, whether you're training six days a week or two days. Do you know what I mean? Um but too many people overcomplicate and they smash their training or their cardio or they're running, then they're eating shit and they wonder why they're
1: not getting results. You know what I mean? Yeah. They say that, don't they? You can't outwork a bad diet, man. And that's so true. Yeah. So we say 20% exercise, 80% nutrition, hundred percent mindset. And we've been, had that philosophy now for the last eight years since I started my business. And, and I'm that. definitely about the mindset. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah,
0: man, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on board. Um, obviously, I like to keep these at around 30 minutes. So um, people just listen to them. They get excited. And then, you know, who knows? Hopefully we can get you back on for another episode. Um, but, man, it's just been awesome to have you on. And um, I really appreciate your time. I know you're busy. Uh, is there any leaving thoughts you want to uh, leave to the listeners? Um, about yourself, how they
1: could contact you, your services, whatever it may be. Yeah, I appreciate that, Jackson, again, mate. Um, yeah, just they can follow me on Instagram, Anthony Cuda Feeds, or my public Facebook page, Anthony Cuda Feeds. They hit me up if they're curious about the products and how to lose weight or gain weight or, you know, all that sort of stuff that I love doing now and I have a passion. So, um, yeah. So in
0: saying that, do you...
1: You sell the products, do you? Yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. Just for my... the listeners. Yeah, 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 I do. That's the business that I do now. I work from home and, you know, have an amazing <laughs> lifestyle with with this uh, opportunity, yes. Okay, awesome, man. Yeah, I, I might even check it out myself, but um,
0: that's a whole other subject we can talk about in itself, you know, just the Herbalife, nutrition. Um, yeah, man, there's just so much to talk about, but I'd be definitely interested to hear more about it. Yeah. So for all you listeners out there, um, yeah, obviously, I'm going to leave uh, Anthony's details when I uh, release the episode. And, yeah, if you do want to contact him or, um, yeah, ask him a question, I'm pretty sure he'll get back to you. He got back to me. Um, You know, great guy. And um, I can't wait to get this out to all the listeners, and I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for coming on board, Anthony. Thanks, Jackson. I appreciate it, mate. Cheers, guys.